day one of our Easter convention and tell the person, release yourself. Tell the person, loose, 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 loose. Shake the person a little bit. Tell the person, loose, 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 loose. If the person says, I'm older than you, why are you shaking me? Tell the bishop, say, I should shake you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Glory be to Jesus. If you are sitting by your husband or wife and you have been quarreling in the morning, just shake her, shake her and tell the person, I love you. Glory be to Jesus. Amen. Andrew, were you talking? <laughs> okay. Please take your seats. Amen. Hallelujah. We give God the praise. This afternoon, I want to speak to you on some very important things about Jesus Christ. Tell someone, Jesus the Christ. Now, Jesus did so many things for us this afternoon. If God permits, I will share with you at least six things that he did for us on the cross. Amen. This afternoon, I just want us to understand that Jesus loves us so much. And he went to the cross to do something so significant for our sake. Amen. The first thing I want you to understand was that Jesus went to the cross because there is no other way for us to be saved. Jesus went to the cross because there's no other way for humans to be saved except through the cross. And why the cross? You see, the cross was a symbol and we need to understand what symbols represent. You see, a symbol is a visible sign or representation of an idea or a quality of another object. A symbol is a visible sign or representation of an idea, a quality of another object. Now, symbols therefore make us aware of certain things without the need for speech or evidence. Symbols make us aware. If you see the apple symbol, you know straight away that it's representing a computer, isn't it? There's no way really see apple symbol and you just think it's a car. As soon as you see a symbol, it tells you something. And symbols can be in various forms like logos, etc. You know that as soon as you see a particular logo, you know that this is Oxford University. When you see a particular logo, you know this is University of Kent. When you see a particular logo, you know that you are talking about Christchurch International. Hallelujah. So you see that when you see the logo, sometimes you don't need to see a name, but it tells you something. And so when we want to understand what Jesus did on the cross, as far as our salvation was concerned, I want you to understand what he did on the cross, what the cross symbolized. Hallelujah. You see, the cross, many people think that the cross symbolized deliverance and salvation. We will be only right if we are looking at the cross from below. But when we look at it from God's position, it was a symbol of evil. Are you here? Amen? It was a symbol of evil. In fact, in those days, it is wicked people who are crucified on the cross. Terrible people, dangerous people who are crucified. But the cross was a symbol of evil. And we know that the cross was made from a tree. And so keep a tree in mind or a stick in mind whenever you are thinking about a serpent. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says when Jesus began his ministry, he made a very profound statement. He said in John chapter 3 and the verse number 14 to 15, he says, And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert, 
or in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross in order that everyone who believes in him may not perish but will have eternal life and live forever. Hallelujah. He says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of God or the Son of Man must also be lifted up then we will all be saved. It means that our salvation is linked to the cross. But then what that represents was that Jesus was saying, something happened in the wilderness, and what happened in the wilderness was not funny. What happened in the wilderness, God was painting a picture of the true salvation that is to come. So an incident occurred in the wilderness, and we need to understand it so we will know what happened some 2,022 years ago, exactly around this same time in Golgotha in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. The Bible says in... Before we go to Numbers, I just want to draw your attention to Isaiah 53, verse 1 to 5. Isaiah 53, and the verse numbers 1 to 5. It says, who has believed our report? The prophet Isaiah was confused at a certain point. He was seeing a vision. 700 to 1,000 years before Jesus was born, he had seen the birth of Christ. And by chapter 53 of his prophecies, he had seen even the death on the cross. But he sees something very confusing to him, being human. And yet being allowed to see such a mystery of what is going to happen a thousand years later. The Bible said, he therefore queried and said, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before the Lord as a tender plant. And as a root out of dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah began to prophesy that Jesus is going to die a type of death that when we see him, we won't even see anything called beauty on him. He's going to be so badly beaten, badly bruised, that there will be no beauty on him. He's going to be heavily damaged. And the Bible says, he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows. He's acquainted with grief. And we heed, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we see him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. The man that is so loving, the man that is coming to die for us, the Bible says God smite him and God struck him and God allowed him to be beaten. And the Bible says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. As I always say, the stripes here is not referring to zebra crossing stripes. These are brutal beatings that left marks at his back. He was whipped with whips that had metals, stones, and bottles, broken bottles at the end of it. That when they whip your back, it tears the flesh off. And he received 40 of that at his back. Those are the stripes. He was brutalized. He was beaten. And so, this gives you an idea of something that happened. And I want you to bear that in mind that he was heavily beaten. The Bible used the word he was smitten. He was hit so hard 
that there's no beauty on him that you should recognize him. When you see him and you knew him before, you won't recognize him. The nice pictures we see and the nice symbolism of Christ on some crucifix is not what happened. He was really badly damaged. They beat him. And the Bible says this happened because God was sending us a message of the mystery of what would happen on the cross. Now we have shared the fact that Jesus said, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted in order that we will be saved. John 3, 14 to 15. Don't forget that scripture. Now let me take you to the event in Numbers 21. Numbers 21. Verse 4 to 9. You see, the, the serpent was a symbol of evil and was a symbol of sin. If we take it to Genesis chapter 3, we will notice the serpent there. And when you read that account in Genesis chapter 3, you will see that five times the serpent was mentioned in that encounter. And when God came, he dealt with both the symbol and the one that the symbol represents. When he first of all said that dust you shall eat and on your belly shall you walk. Genesis chapter 3 from verse 15 I think all the way down. This was after Adam and Eve had eaten of the fruits that they were told not to eat and God had now come to dispense judgment. And when he started off with the man and he started off with the woman, he moved to the woman. Then he got to the serpent. And I have shared with, in my book on the, doing the master's will that whenever God is addressing us, he's addressing the one inside the house, not the house. Are you here? So we are spirit beings that live in the body. When God told Adam that the day you eat of this, you will surely die. He wasn't addressing their flesh. He was addressing the real one living in this house. Because we are spirits that have a soul and live in this address called your house. When you receive a letter, you realize the postman brings it to the door. But he didn't mean that he wants to give it to the house. He wants to give it to the occupant of the house. The letter is addressed to the occupant of the house. You never see a letter addressed to just 27 Erith Road. Sometimes they say occupants of 27 Erith Road if they are just having their marketing things. If they don't know your name. But definitely they want to address the one in the house. So when God said the day you eat it, you surely die. He was talking to the spirit man, not the flesh. Because that day we saw that they ate it, but they didn't die the death we thought is death, isn't it? That the person, they stopped breathing and they fell down. No, but the spirit man was separated. That was death. In the same way, when he was addressing the serpent, the serpent was a symbol. The serpent represented the devil, but it was not the devil. Are you here? So when God brings judgment, he also dealt with the symbol first and then dealt with what the symbol represents. So when he said, Dust you shall eat all the days of your life. That means that this very thing he's talking about, that one is physical. It has a lifespan. It will end. When he talk about the serpent, that physical serpent, he said you shall go on your belly and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. You see that it was one part. It was dealing with the physical symbol. Then he moved to the second one and said that I will put enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. And that one is saying that there's going to be a war between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent forever and ever. So the serpent also had seed. And those were the manifestations of the devil in between. So when God came and he pronounced judgment on the devil, he cast him from his origins to his destiny. 
And so he pronounced judgment from the beginning that from that entity that was called Lucifer, son of the morning, that fell to the point where he moves to the second category of Satan's operation as an antichrist. That Satan will work through a man called the antichrist. Then he will also work through another person called the false prophet. Satan also operates an axis of trinity. So God pronounced judgment on the serpent, first symbolizing the symbol itself, casting the symbol that it has a lifespan. But when it came to the second level of the pronouncement of the judgment, that I will put enmity between your seed and, his, and, his, and the seed of the woman, this is going to be an ongoing generational battle. And so there was something about the symbol of evil that was the serpent. And we see later on in the wilderness that when God called Moses by the burning bush, the Bible says Moses had a stick, a rod. God told him to put it down. It changed into a serpent. Moses ran away. Immediately he knew. It's not that he was afraid of snakes, but he saw the symbolism of evil. And that's why he fled from it. And then he was asked to take it by the tail and it changed back into a stick. So there's something and a mystery and a correlation or a collaboration between a stick and a serpent. Have you noticed that one? Anytime you see a serpent, you want to kill it. If you have a stick, you think you have the upper hand. Serpents are afraid of sticks. It will, it will kill them. Are you here? And so you see that when man sinned, when evil came, something mysterious that happened in the wilderness and I want you to understand whenever you are reading your scriptures which I've taught you many times everything that happened in the Old Testament was pointing to a reality in the New Testament so Jesus comes in he starts his ministry and one of the very early statements he makes is that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so in the same way, so must the son of man be lifted up. That means that there is a connection between the serpent that was lifted in the wilderness and the Christ that will be on the cross. And that is how we will be saved. So please come with me to Numbers 21. I pray Holy Spirit, give understanding to my hearers. In Jesus name. Verse 4 to 9. Numbers 21, 4 to 9. Then they journeyed from Mount Hall. By the way of the Red Sea. To go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people. Became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God. And against Moses. They spoke against God. And they spoke against his servant. When these two things happen. God doesn't take it lightly. Look at it. And the people spoke against Moses and against God. And said why have you brought us up out of Egypt? To die in the wilderness. For there's no food and no water. And our soul hates this worthless manner. Hey, you don't have food. You don't even do any work. You are coming from the wilderness. God gives you manna. You eat it for a long time. Now you have become fed up with it. And you are calling it worthless manna. May God deliver us. So that when we have been blessed with something. And after we have become familiar with it for a long time. We say this is a worthless thing. What do you think you have? What do you think you have blessed me with? May God help us to be honest and faithful in the name of Jesus. May spouses not be tired with their spouses and call them worthless people. Some time ago, you were thanking God for her. Today, you say she's worthless. May God help you in Jesus' name. Today, some time ago, you were thanking God when he proposed. Today, you say, what kind of useless man are you? What do you think? Who do you think you are? He is your gold. He is your gold that you found some time ago. 
and you couldn't sleep. You were dying. And now you have become so familiar, you are calling it worthless. Whenever we show such ingratitude, it's an attack against God. That's what the scripture says. It says, we are tired with this worthless bread. Did you bake the bread? You have nothing to eat. God gives you manna. After some time, you are calling it worthless bread. So the Bible says, so, verse 6, because of this, the Lord sent fiery serpents. Take note of that. Are you seeing a serpent again? Serpents among the people. The serpent came because they sinned against God by attacking God. They did evil. It's an evil thing to attack God, to speak against God and his servants. And the Bible says the Lord sent them fiery serpents among the people and they beat the people. And many of the Israelites died. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Moses was a pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. Moses, they insulted him. Now when judgment is coming to they run to him, please pray for us. He didn't say, serves you right. Serves you right. But he prayed for them. May we have the heart of a pastor in the name of Jesus. Amen. That we understand that our position will attract criticisms. But then when the people are in need, your position is not to invoke curses on them, but to still stand in the gap like Moses and do what God called you to do. Amen. Play your part in Jesus' name. So the Bible says, therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned for we are spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpent from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Verse 8, then the Lord gave a very strange instruction. You know, he's almighty God. He could just have, by his power, just caused the snakes to just disappear, isn't it? But then he gave Moses a very strange instruction. And he says to him, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is beaten by the snake. When he looks at it, it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent. Take note of that. A bronze serpent. This is not a real serpent. It's a representation of a serpent. He made it from brass and put it on a pole. And this will be a stick. Amen. And so it was. If a serpent had beaten anyone, when he or she looks at the bronze serpent, they lived. Amen. So God is saying here that Moses, the people sinned. Snakes have come to beat them. Evil has beaten them. But the only way for them to be healed is that I want you to produce the same thing that is biting them. Produce a similar one. And let them look at it. Don't let it lie down. Lift it up. And what is God representing here? Glory be to Jesus. Now what God is teaching here was that for Moses to be able to produce a snake from brass, he has to beat the brass. Isn't it? He has to really smite it, beat it hard until it becomes soft. Until it loses some properties and then you can mold it. 
and then make it look like a snake. Because if you have brass or gold, you can't turn it into snake easily. This is metal. You have to really beat it till it becomes soft. Till it no longer looks like that hard material. Until it's so soft. Until one part of it begins to look like the face of a snake. And then do it in such a way that you hang it on a pole. And then put it up there. And let everybody who has been beaten by a snake, let them look up to it. And when they look up to it, something mysterious will happen. As soon as that thing is up there, whenever they look at it, that pole that has been lifted, that snake that has been lifted, the snake that represents what beat them is changed into what heals them. And it is like immunization. What we are immunized with, like snake, when you have got, you know, the, the venom from a snake, you realize that the, the anti-snake venom is coming from a snake. It's produced from a snake. And that's how we immunize. We have to give you COVID so that you can be immunized against COVID. Anything you have been immunized against is actually the thing. Just that it has been attenuated in a way that it won't cause you serious illness. But it is supposed to elicit an immune response. Amen. So in the same way, you will notice also that when you go to the GP practice or rooms of doctors and you find that on their walls, their certificate, etc. You see that the symbol for healing is actually a snake and a stick, isn't it? You see, you see that it's, it's, there. it's a symbol of the medical profession. It's, it's a snake and a stick. <laughs> so you see that God was painting a picture here that something needs to be beaten and change it to change form. The brass must change form to look like the snake. And that when it is hanging over there, you need to look at it. It can't be on the floor. So it will not be, if he used a dove, it won't bring the healing. If he had used a church fly, it will not bring the healing. If he brought a house fly, it will not bring the healing. It must be what was biting them must be hung over there. And when it is lifted up, something mysterious happens. That which begins to hurt them changes to become a savior. And so the Bible said, Jesus said, what was happening in Numbers or that which happened in Numbers 21 is actually God painting a picture of what I would do on the cross. That the son of God had to be turned into sin. You see, this, <laughs> the symbol of the serpent was evil. That which beat the people have to be lifted for them and anybody dying, even if they were just beaten, so long as they will look up Take note of the word. Anyone that looks up to that image, to that cross, to that symbol there, they got healed immediately. In the same way, when we are infected with sin, sin is a very dangerous disease. When you have got an infection with sin, you will die. Sin kills. For the wages of sin is death. And church, sin is so powerful a killer that it kills in the flesh and kills the spirit too. When we are infected by sin, we die physical death and die spiritual death too. There was no way we were all going to die physically when God made it from the beginning. When he made Adam and Eve, they were to live forever until sin came in. When sin came in, sin introduced physical death. And that also resulted in spiritual death. 
In fact, actually, it is the spiritual death that led to physical death. Once you die spiritually, then there is no reason to, for this body to live. Are you here this afternoon? You are very quiet. You are listening. Amen. I hope I'm not confusing you. In Jesus' name. So the Bible says, so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, verse 9 of Numbers 21. If a serpent had beaten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, that person lived. Amen. Why is it that something that beats me, I'm being forced to look at a symbol that looks like it so I can be saved? It is God's wisdom. When that thing went up, something changed about it. But Jesus came and being God, the son, said what happened in Numbers 21 is actually representing what I'm about to do for us. We can't be saved unless you look up to me too. And what happened to him? The Bible says Jesus said, just as Moses lifted this, so the son of man must be lifted. And so Jesus was crucified and you notice that he was actually heavily bruised. Beating so hard that he started looking like sin. Amen. Jesus was beaten so badly that the Bible says, not only that, but look at, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. You will notice something here. He, why did Jesus come? To, to die for our sins, isn't it? But you realize that what was on the cross was sin. And we need to look up to the cross to be saved. Just like what was biting the people was the snake. And they still need to look up to the, to the snake that has been lifted for them to be saved. You will see the same thing here. The Bible says for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us. Ladies and gentlemen, on the cross, Jesus was made sin. He was made what? Sin. It wasn't a nice Jesus on the cross. It was sin on the cross. The Bible says all our sins, any sin you can ever imagine, from the murderer to the pedophile, from the rapist to the homosexual, the Bible tells us that homosexuality is sin, irrespective of legislation. Amen. Are you here? The Bible says it. So Every sin listed in the Bible, if you have a problem with it, go and ask God. Or ban the Bible in the United Kingdom. Ban it completely. Then we can't quote from it. But the Bible clearly says it. Amen. So the Bible says that all kinds of sin. Anything we will ever call sin. Any wicked thing you can ever imagine. From abortions to every form of sin. Or they are trying to tell me that abortion too is not a sin. According to the Bible, it is a sin. People can go and legislate. But your legislation does not change the position of God. Amen. Yeah, he's almighty God. He's almighty God. Praise Jesus. Amen. So, now, whatever it is, whatever sin there is that we can name, from armed robbers to thieves to all kinds of terrorists and everyone, any sin, any murderer, anything that we have done that is a sin, I want you to understand that all things that constitute sin were placed on Jesus Christ and he became sin. <laughs> It's not just that the sin was put on him. He actually became, look at it. It says, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So that, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. They were beaten by snakes. 
and a symbol of the snake was lifted up. When they look at it mysteriously, that which beat them, its symbol started healing them. In the same way, when we became, when Jesus became sin, when we look at him at the cross, that which became sin became a savior for us. Hallelujah. So, he became sin on the cross. Every sin you can imagine. That is why there was an earthquake. Because the earth has never seen such a congregation of sin in one place. <laughs> the earth has noticed sin in various places. From Sodom and Gomorrah, one part. There's something else, another part. To have all congregate at one place, at one spot, where the cross was, and the one hanging on it, all the sins of this world, past, present, and future, all concentrated in one place. The earth could not take it. It had to quake. The sun could not look on. It became darkened. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. Everything became dark. From 12 o'clock to three o'clock, there was darkness all over because even the sun could not look on. We haven't seen so much sin concentrated in one place. All our sins were placed and God the Father. Do you realize Jesus did not complain about anything? His complaint was, Father, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> the Father himself could not look on. The Father had to abandon him for the first time in the history of the Trinity. There was a separation. Because Christ on the cross is sin. And sin, just like the serpent, a symbol of evil is being nailed to the cross. And do you realize that? Just like the pole came from a tree, the cross was also from a tree. Hallelujah. Amen. So the cross being a tree was actually hitting the serpent on the cross. It was hitting it. It was destroying evil. It was hitting the serpent and killing everything that is there. The Bible says Jesus became sin so that when we look now to him, we will be saved. The mystery of salvation. Hallelujah. So that means the good news is that I don't know what evil you can ever imagine. Christ took it. And I don't know what guilt you feel about any sin. You can look up to Jesus. Hallelujah. I said you can look up to Jesus. And your sins can be forgiven outright. You know the good news. Our sins are forgiven outright. Not on probation. It's not like today you are born again. And God said now I'm watching. I've given you six months to see how you will do. Then I will forgive all your sins. No. It is instant. Tell somebody it's instant. Hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what the nature of our sins are. There has been a solution. Jesus was made sin. So that we can become the righteousness of God in him. What a good news. What a good news. I said what a good news. It means that there's nothing that can hold you down. That is why the Bible says, Isaiah was surprised. He said, this one that is so loving. Why is it that he has been smitten? Because he needs to be damaged. Just like the way sin damages. So that we, when we look up to him. When we look up to the cross. When you look at Jesus lifted up there, we shall be saved. You know, we sang that song, lift Jesus higher. Lift him up for the world to see. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Amen. So Jesus went to the cross so that our sins can be forgiven. 
And that's a very, very powerful good news that every one of us must celebrate in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. I will just leave you with a second reason why Jesus went to the cross. I said I was going to give you six, but time is already gone. So let me just give you the second one. The second one. The second reason why Jesus went to the cross was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Was to destroy the works of the devil. We have a good news. I said we have good news. As Christians, you have good news. Don't let the devil take you on a guilt trip and tell you how wicked you are. Tell him, Jesus paid the price. Amen. The only thing is that when your sins are forgiven, you also don't do what, what you used to do before. So that you can honor the price that was paid for you. Amen. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and the verse number 8. It says, anyone who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose. For what purpose? For the purpose that Satan sinned. For the purpose that Satan brought sin into the world. For the purpose that there is the existence of sin. The Bible says the son of God came. He came for this purpose. For this purpose the son of God was manifested. So that he might destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. Amen. Jesus came that he might destroy the works of the devil. When he went to the cross and he became sin and sin itself was nailed to the cross. Every other consequence of sin was dealt with there as well. When sin came, death came. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 8 that because through one man, sin entered the world. And because sin came, death also came. And death ruled man from one generation to another. But Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The Bible says, he came that he might destroy the works of the devil. So he didn't only come to destroy the power of sin, but he came to destroy the consequences of sin. See, many of us, we may be saved. But in our family, there are still curses working. And you realize that some curses still work against you even though you are born again. <laughs> and it, that is why you need to understand that something has taken place. And anytime Satan is trying to play his games, you need to announce to him that I knew what Jesus did. That he might destroy the works of the devil. That incurable diseases came from the devil. He might destroy barrenness. That he might destroy lunacy. That he might destroy drug addiction. That he might destroy every work of the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus came for this purpose. That he might destroy the works of the devil. Any work Satan is doing at this time. You have got the power to stop him in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes you need to remind the devil he's an illegal immigrant. He has no right to work where he's working. The legal means of coming to operate and work on this earth. Is to come through the womb of a woman. That is the official gate. That's the proper immigration channel to enter the earth realm and operate with all legal authority. But there's only one entity and his cohorts who no woman gave birth to. Even the son of God, a woman had to give birth. See, as for God, he loves legality and proper order. 
So God had put in place laws to operate powerfully on earth, to have dominion on the earth. The only door to enter the earth is through the womb of a woman. If a woman gave birth to you, put your hands together. Those who, those who are not clapping, I don't know where you came from. <laughs> For the son of, that's why when Jesus came, he also calls himself son of man. To actually enforce his legal right to operate where he was operating. But the Bible tells us, Jesus gave us a clue one day in the book of Luke. He said, I see Satan fall like lightning. The guy was a stowaway. No woman gave birth to him. He fell from heaven. Came to this earth. He fell. He has no right to work where he's working. You can stop him in Jesus' name. I said you can stop him. He has no power here. He has no power. The only way for him to work is to make sure Adam and Eve sinned. And then something was transferred to him to have the power to operate. But Jesus came so that he can hand over that power back to you. So you can stop the devil where he is. You don't need to be a giant physically. No matter how your physical structure is, if you are spiritual enough, you can stop the devil. In the mighty name of Jesus, you stop the devil. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. You stop the devil. Satan has been operating too much and we must stop him in Jesus' name. Glory be to Jesus. I feel the presence of God in this place. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Witchcraft is the work of the devil. Jesus dealt with it. You can enforce what Jesus did. This is the victory that we have. Hallelujah. We have victory in his name. And when we use the name of the Lord Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every altar shall bow. Every shrine shall bow. Every curse must stop in the name of the Lord Jesus. A curse is a work of the devil. You can stop it by the power in the name of Jesus. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested. And I tell you, you are powerful. Just that you, sometimes you, you need to be reminded by you are powerful. Sometimes Satan has a way of deceiving you. You know, some of you who are physically well built, like Pastor Hammond and, uh, uh, what is his name? Oh, Kobe, you are lifting your hand. Ah, look at Kobe. Anyway, Kobe says he's physically well built. <laughs> Chikwadu. <laughs> see, Chikwadu stand, let, let me see you. <laughs> now it, it doesn't matter if a police officer who is of my unique height stops you you can't do anything to me why because of the uniform i'm wearing it doesn't matter how giant you are in fact actually you can be driving crazy until you see some blue lights behind you suddenly fear and trembling comes into your soul. <laughs> you start slowing down. You want to know whether you are the one they are trying to stop or not. You change your behavior immediately. Even when you are doing anything, you see somebody passing by in police uniform. You just stop. Sometimes you watch it and say, ah, oh, community police officer. Ah, I should have. <laughs> but still, you are careful. <laughs> Sometimes you even see some of the parking ticket attendants because of what they were wearing. So as soon as you see the blue and white reflect, it's just, I'm not sure who is there. Let me just behave here. <laughs> Why? Because of the authority they carry. You may look small, but you carry authority in the realm of the spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Glory be to Jesus. One day I was at a conference some years ago. I'd fasted for 
Five days. I said I was fasting seven days. I fasted five days and I went to this conference. This man of God from America, I think it's Richard Roberts, I think, or Robert's son. He was ministering and when he got to my tent, he said, I see a bulldozer, a spiritual bulldozer, a spiritual bulldozer, a spiritual bulldozer. I said, me, me bulldozer. I said, hey, Charlie, me, look at my height. I'm a bulldozer. In the realm of the spirit, you are something else. I came to announce to you for this purpose, the son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Let there be some champions this afternoon that rise in the name of the Lord and begin to pray by the power of the name of Jesus.